How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. We're coming towards the end of the month here. Only a few more episodes left for you guys, and we're really going to try to go out with a bang. I'm really hoping that you enjoy the last few episodes of the show. I hope you've been enjoying every episode of the show that I've been putting out so far this year. It's been a lot of work to put all this together, so I really appreciate all of you guys checking out the episodes so far. Of course, all the episodes of my solo shows, episodes of Brain Damage, the YouTube videos, top 10 list. I really appreciate all of the love and support over the past 26 or so days whenever this episode comes out. Um, as I said, this is going to be one of the final episodes that's coming out of the month. This is going to be the final top 10 ranking video of the year, uh, podcast rather, and we're going to be talking about my top 10 lowest rated films on Letterboxd. In the past, I did a video all about my top 10 films that are on Letterboxd, my top 10 horror films that I had rated the absolute highest on my Letterboxd account. Today, we're doing the reverse of that, talking about the films that I have rated the most poor, the lowest possible scores that I could have rated something on Letterboxd. I obviously never rate anything with no star rating at all. The lowest rating that I ever give is a half star. If I ever do something with no star, that just means I didn't rate it. Um, if it's a half star, you know that I rated it and I hated it, because that's basically the lowest you can go, obviously, naturally, is that half star. But before we get into the episode, um, just a little note about my personal life, because a huge weight has finally been lifted off of my shoulders. The House of Horror has gotten a new couch downstairs. Um, it was a very, very difficult process getting this couch. We've been waiting about two months for it, and it actually came once already, and it arrived damaged. So I said, don't even take it off of that truck. I got enough broken things in the House of Horror. I don't need a broken couch. So then it took another an entire month to get this couch here, and we finally have the couch in the house, and it's still taking a little bit to get used to, the cats are a little scared of it. Um, they're not used to having it in the living room. It takes up a lot more space than our original couch did. We used to just have like a little tiny couch and then a recliner. Um, that's what we've been kind of doing with since we got rid of our big main couch um, a few months ago since it broke. And this one is like a big sectional. So the cats are a little freaked out by it. We were nervous it was going to make our main living quarters in the House of Horror look a little small and cramped. But it actually doesn't. It actually kind of fills out the room nicely. Um, so very excited about new couch. What I'm not excited about is the story I'm going to tell you guys um, what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was awoken by my cat in my bed. And it could have been a lot worse than it actually was because the cat could have had what I'm about to tell you with it in the bed. But the cat's in the bed or whatever, and I was like, oh, this... He always gets in the bed when he wants fed in the middle of the morning. So I get up to go feed the cat. I walk into the living room, and I notice that there are two weird spherical objects, very, very small circles on my living room floor. And, of course, I didn't have the lights on at the time. I mean, I just had, you know, we keep, like, one light on, like, the the light above the stove in the kitchen. So I could kind of, like, see where I was going, but, like, the main living room light was not on. So I'm walking through, and I notice these balls on the ground. And I'm like, what the hell are these weird things? Like, I thought that they were, like, you know, like, hair balls, something like that. So I go, and I, 
turn on my flashlight to kind of like see what it is because they look kind of off. And lo and behold, it was a severed head of a mouse and the mouse's back legs and tail. So one ball was basically two cat, uh, two mouse eyeballs and a nose in a little circle. It wasn't the whole head. It was just mainly the face and a little bit of the back of the head. The other ball was the two hind legs and the tail. And my cat was just so proud of himself. And so, <laughs> like, I go, there are multiple mouse parts on my floor. So now I have to clean the carpet in the middle of the morning. And as I was saying, like, I could have been a lot worse because the cat could have brought those things into the bed. And thank God that he didn't. So I go, I clean up the carpet, I dispose of the animal parts. I'm very thankful that he got this mouse, wherever this mouse was lurking um, in the house of horror. Um, and it was very, very traumatizing for myself to see this. But what was even worse was walking into the kitchen and noticing that the cat had sharded on the floor because my cat is typically not used to eating live animals. So whatever it is, it did not agree with my cat's bowel movements. And the cat had sharded on the floor and it was very, very disgusting. There was still like blood and bones and shit in it and it was the absolute worst thing ever to wake up to in the morning and have to deal with all that before you go into work. So I actually ended up going into work an hour later than I had originally intended on going to work. Just a very, very bad morning all around. So I'm very, very thankful for today. We were finally able to get the new couch into the house because yesterday and the past couple months have been very, very stressful and the mouse obviously did not add anything to the relief that I was feeling. But very relieved the couch finally came. Shout out to my father for coming and bringing, um, being here at the house when the couch was delivered because obviously my wife and I were at work. While the movers who actually just wouldn't budge on the delivery time, they were like, this is the time that is being delivered. And we were like, yo, like people have jobs and you can't really deliver a couch like at one in the afternoon on a random weekday. But they weren't budging on the time. Thankfully, my father's retired, so he came and helped us, you know, pick up the couch from the movers. Um, shout out to my nephew as well, because he was with my father. Um, he was chilling, like, you know, he's a year old, so he was just chilling, I would imagine, when all of this was occurring. I don't really know, because I wasn't here. But regardless, and I actually baked my dad a loaf of bread and then forgot to tell him, like, hey, like, here's bread, thank you. So the bread is still at my house. So I guess now I have a loaf of bread that I made for my father originally. But that's not why we're here today. We came to talk about my 10 lowest rated films on Letterboxd. So essentially, my 10 least favorite horror films of all time, if you want to call it that. But it's kind of difficult to say because I can, similar to the video where I talked about all of the films that were my highest rated horror films on Letterboxd, that doesn't necessarily reflect what my favorites would be. Because when you really think about it, like, my letterbox is my initial reaction. That's how you rate something. It's your initial sort of reaction, and that's what you do. There wasn't much reflection in a lot of my letterbox ratings. So although these are my lowest rated, it doesn't necessarily mean that these are my least favorite horror films of all time. And looking at this list, I can count right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... 10. I actually have, ironically, I have exactly 10 quote-unquote horror films that are rated a half star, which works out well 
for me because it's not like I have to kind of narrow it down. All of these I had rated a half star, and hopefully I have a few things to say about them because it's hard because a lot of these films I haven't seen since they came out. Uh, well, since I watched them, obviously, because I did not like them particularly, hence why they only have half of a star. Some of these I've talked about on other shows already as well. And some of these, like, I rated it a half star just because it left nothing. Like, I sat there, had no emotion, no brain power going on at all, and that's why it's half a star. It was literally, it felt, I felt nothing watching it, or I completely hated it so much that I couldn't justify giving it anything other than just a half of a star. And we're going to dive right into this, and obviously, I'm just going to kind of go in order as I see them. I don't know how Letterboxd kind of breaks down what order it wants them to really have when you sort it by this. Um, so I'm just going to go in the order that it is shown on my letterbox, not necessarily my least favorite first, but we're going to be going with the one that I've talked about already to death, but I rated it a half star, so here it is on this list, Halloween Ends. The not-so-epic conclusion to the Halloween franchise. I've talked about this enough on other shows, so I don't really want to spend too much time on it. But it's just really mind-blowing to me how far they could have missed the mark. Like, I cannot believe how bad that they screwed this thing up. No one wants a new character introduced in a finale of a franchise that has no connection to anything, and the film is completely focused on something that we do not care about at all. Just a complete misstep, completely missed the mark, it makes no sense why they would do it. Of course, I guess I'll spoil the film because I did a spoiler-free review, so if you haven't seen the film yet, that's your own fault. They completely made Michael Myers laughable in this. Like, it's not even, like, funny bad, it's just bad bad. A lot of people have been, you know, talking online like, oh... Well, would you rather watch Halloween Resurrection? Would you rather watch H2? Yes, I would. I would take that over those. Because even though they're bad, they still respect Michael's character better than Halloween Ends did. Yes, in this they wanted to show a decrepit old man. But that's not who Michael Myers is. They've built up Michael Myers as this supernatural sort of force. If you would have said, oh, Michael Myers is just a normal guy, and then suddenly it cuts to him being 80, it's like, yeah, that sort of makes sense. But we literally see him do godlike feats at the end of the previous other films. Like, he's doing some crazy shit, and this, he's just, he gets beat up by a nerd, basically. He gets beat up by a nerd, he gets beat up by Laurie Strode, which I guess makes sense. But I would have liked to see a more epic battle at the end. I don't know. Just all around, this film sucks. Like, there's no other way to put it. I've talked about it on other shows. Um, if you have any specific questions about Halloween Ends that I can answer for you guys, let me know down in the comments below. Because I don't know really what else to say off the top of my head. It would just have to be prompted by something that's like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Because I think I've exhausted sort of all options. The main image online everyone's showing of Halloween Resurrection is the Halloween, um, the Michael Myers and Lori, like, kiss before she drops to her death. And yeah, it, I mean, it sucks, but it, again, at least it's somewhat representative of the characters. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand how we got to where we are with Halloween Ends, and I don't know. It just, to me, it is one of the things that makes me very upset. <laughs> That's one thing about Halloween Ends. It just makes me very upset that I 
well, that we had to to watch that. that. That's the film we were giving them. That's how they thought was acceptable. They thought that this was acceptable for us to watch. Like, I can't even, can't even fathom that one. Completely blows my mind. The next film on here, oh, I guess I'll read the description of Halloween Ends on Letterboxd, because I'm going to read the description on Letterboxd for all the other ones, so may as well start with this one, just if you want a little general plot synopsis. So Halloween ends. Four years after the events of Halloween in 2018, Lori has decided to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life. But when a young man is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Lori to finally confront the evil she can't control once and for all. This one should have just been called, it should have been a Halloween side story. Let's just put it that way. It should have been a Halloween side story. Call it the Babysitter Murders. It would have been a nice, you know, little, like, side story that takes place at Happy Haddonfield. Because um, that's the, the original Halloween title was supposed to be the Babysitter Murders. But this one, that's what it does. The Babysitter is murdering. The Babysitter Murders. Yes, he does. Um, they should have just done something like that. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. I, I can't even believe that this is what we have to call Halloween Ends. Like, it's so unbelievable that this is what we were given. It's literally nuts. But coming up next is another film from a franchise that I love, even though it's not technically part of the franchise. But it's something that's taking an established IP and doing something very disrespectful with it, in my opinion. And that, of course, is the 1998 Roland Emmerich version of Godzilla. The tagline is, size does matter, which I guess it really doesn't because this Godzilla is smaller than the regular Godzilla, weaker than the regular Godzilla, just all around way worse than the actual Godzilla that we were given in the Toho films. Well, let's try to power through this description here. When a freighter is viciously attacked in the Pacific Ocean, a team of experts, including biologist Nico Tapalopoulos, or however you say it, I think that's a joke in the film as how you can say people never pronounce his name correctly, and scientists Elsie Chapman and Mendel Craven, I don't know why the names of all of these people are important for your letterbox description, but regardless, someone felt it necessary to put them in there, concludes that an oversized reptile is the culprit. But before long, the giant lizard is loose in Manhattan, destroying everything within its reach. The team chases the monster to Madison Square Garden, where a brutal battle ensues. I wouldn't necessarily call it a brutal battle. Um, I mean, everyone has trashed the 1998 Godzilla. Like, how in-depth do I really need to go with this? Not only does it not look anything like Godzilla, act anything like Godzilla, have the feats that Godzilla has. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of Halloween Ends. It's something that took the source material, felt like doing its own thing with it, and it just backfired, like, completely. Like, this Godzilla is taken down by the military. Everyone knows Godzilla is not being able to be hurt by the military. Like, they're literally throwing everything at him in the Japanese films, and it's literally, he's no-selling everything. In this, he gets hit by a couple missiles, and he's done. Absolutely laughable. Um, Matthew Broderick's in it. I mean, he has some terrible lines and stuff like that. Like, it's nothing that was necessarily his fault. It's just terrible writing, terrible story development, terrible, you know, 
time and effort taken into respecting the source material. Um, it's just really, really bad. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, they were just basically trying to do a quick cash grab, slap a slap Godzilla's name on it, and there you go. They just wanted a monster movie. They wanted a big-budget movie to release during the summertime. Like, I mean, this is the same team that did... <clears throat> um, what's that film called? Independence Day is the same, same team that did Independence Day. So they were just looking to recreate that. They were ripping off, you know, Jurassic Park with the raptor scene because Godzilla lays eggs in this and then the little baby dinosaurs are running around. It's literally nuts. Like, this film, like, I cannot believe that some of these films even got made. Nowadays, you couldn't do this. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you did with Halloween Ends, but, like, nowadays, you couldn't reboot a franchise or do, like, a remake that was so drastically different and try to appeal to the audience who likes the original because it's just so far removed from everything. I mean, that's why everyone loves the... I mean, I won't, I won't say loves, but people have been much more positive about the current version of Godzilla that Legendary Pictures is doing with Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, um, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Kong, stuff like that. Like, those are much more well-accepted because they're much more in tune with how the actual characters are. I mean, I guess that this is like a new form of Kong or whatever. Um, it's very dissimilar to some of the others, but it's very similar in a lot of the ways. But at least this, the main core of what makes the characters who they are, and yes, I'm referring to the monsters as characters, they do have personalities, they do have certain traits that you expect, they do have a certain look, etc. So, they're characters. They are not respected and represented properly in the 1998 version. In this newer American adaptation, they are more respectful to the original source material. You can argue whether or not you actually like the films or not, but at least they're much closer to what you would expect. No one expected this Godzilla 1998 to be the way that it was, and I don't know. It was just, it's just not good. It's not good. Just to throw out some of my other half-star films in here, Controversial Pick, A Chinatown has a half-star. The Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers it has a half of a star, which is kind of ironic because it's right next to, in the screen grab here, it's right next to Halloween Ends. So we got a Michael Myers and a Mike Myers both, you know, collectively getting one star when you put them together. The next film is a film that I watched once back when it first came out because it was a huge deal at the time. And then rewatched it again recently and realized just kind of how bad it actually was. And not necessarily a lot of people are like, oh, this film's gross, whatever. It just sucks. Like, the film is just not good. And I've never seen any of the other films in this franchise because the first one was just so bad. And I'm talking about the Human Centipede first sequence. So from 2009, the original film, Their Flesh is His Fantasy. During a stopover in Germany in the middle of a carefree road trip through Europe, two American girls find themselves alone at night when their car breaks down in the woods. Searching for help in a nearby villa, they are wooed into the clutches of a deranged retired surgeon who explains his mad scientific vision to his captive's utter horror. They are to be the subjects of his sick lifetime fantasy to be the first to connect people one to the next and in doing so bringing to life. The Human Centipede. The film sucks. The subject matter sucks. 
The script is terrible. The story is terrible. Um, it's very well shot. It's very well shot. From what I remember, the acting can be hokey from here and there. I remember, I actually remember in 2009 when I watched this, I actually kind of liked it. But then after watching it a second time, I'm just like, this is, this is bad. Like, this is really bad. There's no real defending it in my mind. Uh, Miles, of course, coming in clutch with the three and a half stars for Human Centipede first sequence. Um, I don't know. There's just something about it that's so bad. And given the subject matter, like given the gore, it's actually not as gruesome as you would think it would be. And I don't know. It's just gross. It's nasty. It sucks. There's not much else I can say about it other than that. Like, again, like these are my half stars. Some of them I've seen many years ago and don't have a clear memory about them. All I remember is the hatred filling my body as I was watching them. And some of these just make my, like, blood boil. And I just sit there and I'm just, like, so upset. And it's hard because, like, if a, sometimes with a film, and I guess this is a little bit of a disclaimer. Like, say I put on a movie on Netflix or whatever. If I don't finish the movie or whatever, I'm not going to rate it. Like, these are all films I've watched beginning to end, been subjected to the whole thing. It's not something like, oh, I click on, click on it. Oh, this isn't really my vibe right now. I'm going to shut this off. Like, that doesn't count into my star ratings. I don't rate films like that. I have to watch, like, the whole thing. So these are all things I've watched from beginning to end, and I don't like. Don't like at all. So Human Centipede, and I, again, as I said, I heard the sequels are even worse. I've never seen them. I don't really plan on seeing them. And there's really not too much else to say about it. Again, it was a huge deal when it first came out, and now a lot of people don't really talk about this franchise at all. I think it's just had the three films. The second one I know is supposed to be really, really fucked up and gross and weird and really disturbing. Um, and I've read and I've heard people say, like, what is in the film. So I don't necessarily want to see it. Um, it's not necessarily something I need to check a box for. It's like, oh, gotta see Human Centipede 2. Um, the third one was, like, straight to fucking family video. It was, like, straight to DVD. Didn't hear a damn thing about it. At least when the second one came out, there was still, like, that online buzz for it. You still heard a little bit about the film. For this third one, I swear to God, they just dropped it and, like, didn't say a damn word. They literally were just like, all right, put it on a disc, slap it in the stores, and literally they didn't bring it up at all. Like, there was no, I don't remember seeing a trailer, I don't remember hearing any critics talking about it, like, literally nothing. Like, they literally just threw it on the shelves and then that was it, they call it a day. The next film on the list is a film that has been called so bad that it's good. In fact, it's been called the best worst movie. We're talking about Troll 2, and we're going to talk about it, but first... Are you tired of plain old breakfast? Cereals are sugary enough? Are you tired of burnt pancakes and waffles? Then you need slapjacks! The slapper gets your face and it causes a chemical reaction to heat up! No cooking required, just slap and eat! Don't believe us? Here's a satisfied customer! Slapjacks are the best breakfast food ever made! Slapjacks, slap those smiles back! <laughs> You heard of your kids. Slapjack saves lives. Order at www.slapjacks.com. Had to take a quick pause for the cause there, but goddamn. Troll 2. Ugh. It's not good, people. Quit. I don't know what everyone... There are so many worse bad 
it's good film. There's so many worse. I mean, better is what I'm trying to say. There's so many better, so bad, it's good films out there. Troll 2, it's hard to say this because everyone's like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's bad, guys. There's not much in here that I can really compliment. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah, it's goofy. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, it sucks. It's also boring. It's also not anything that... Like, I'm not quoting anything from this. There's the, oh my god, thing, but it's just... It's so bad. There's no way that I can say anything that's, like, redeeming about it. Um, the effects suck. The story sucks. The script is non-coherent. The acting is terrible. Um, just everything about it is not what I'm looking for when I'm watching any film. Um, the original Boogeyman is back. When young Joshua learns that he will be going on vacation with his family to a small town called Nilbog, which is goblin backwards, even though they're trolls, he protests adamantly. He is warned by the spirit of his deceased grandfather that goblins populate the town. His parents, Michael and Diana, dismiss his apprehensions, but soon learn to appreciate their son's warnings. Guided by his grandfather's ghost, will Joshua and his family stand a chance in fighting off these evil beings? What I'm learning about these letterbox descriptions for these somewhat obscure horror films that are not very good, they love to put the names of all the characters in the description, because it's, you can't just, like, say, oh, like, oh, this is a film about this, like, they're putting, like, all the names, like, giving, like, direct, like, story, like, elements in what's supposed to be just a general, like, synopsis, and it's very, very stupid, I don't like it, Troll 2 really, really sucks, this podcast, I mean, I can't, like, it's hard, because, as I said, I don't have that much experience with these films, because I have not gone back and rewatched most of them because they are so fucking terrible. Um, it's hard. I wish I had someone on here with me to kind of go back and forth, talk about some of the, their least favorite films. The next film on here is not a horror film, but it's just right next to Troll 2 is Dragon Ball Evolution. Like, holy shit, is that one bad. And sticking with the theme of films that are in a franchise, a lot of these are like franchise films. I don't think any of the ones I've talked about right now. Oh, well, I guess Godzilla. Tech, no, because it was a it was a remake. It was an adaptation. All of these are like part of franchises. These are all franchise films so far. Coming up with the sequel to one of my favorite films at the time. I mean, every time I watch it, you know, I notice more and more flaws about it. But if if you had asked me when I was a senior in high school what my favorite film of all time was, I'd probably tell you Donnie Darko. And the sequel to that film, S. Darko, following the sister Samantha, <sighs> let's talk about it just a little bit. So this was from 2009, so this was a, the same year that Donnie Darko was my favorite film. Then this piece of shit comes out, S. Darko. It's time to travel forward. Seven years after her brother's death, Samantha Darko finds herself stranded in a small desert town after her car breaks down where she is plagued by bizarre visions telling of the universe's end. As a result, she must face her own demons and in doing so, save the world and herself. I'm the only person on my letterbox that has watched this, which is kind of strange. 
Um, they got the original actress back, De- Debbie Chase or whatever her name is. I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember. I could scroll down on Letterbox, but I'm not going to give this film the time of day. I'm going to cl- click away as soon as I can. So I'm actually clicking back to sort of the home screen. I'm going to lock my phone because during the course of this podcast, apparently I went into low battery mode. And my phone keeps going dark anyway. So you know what? Just shut the phone off. Talk about S. Darko. No one asked for a sequel to Donnie Darko. Nobody asked for this. Like, I don't know how this got greenlit. I don't know how they were able to get the original actress back. Um, It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know what the intended audience for this was. Because the original film is just such a good standalone film. Like, it didn't need further explanation. It didn't need... Like, we didn't need to see what happened to the sister. We didn't need to see any follow-up to this story. It completely ties itself up at the end. Yes, you're asking questions. Yes, it doesn't give you the answers to everything that the film is presenting to you. But it's a full, complete piece. It did not need a sequel. Um, Just leave it alone. Like, you could have just left it alone. It would have been completely fine. I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast because, as I said, there's not as much to say about these. It's just I really hated all of these. I remember the story made no sense. It was boring. It just completely threw off any sort of mood I would have, any good mood I would have had going into this because I think I went into it kind of expecting it to be, like, somewhat decent. Like, I knew it wasn't going to top the original film in my mind. But when I saw As Darko, it didn't have... This long, you know, it's been 12, 13 years since this thing came out. It hasn't had the years of ridicule and all that kind of stuff. I watched it, like, right around the time when it first came out. So I didn't really hear people talking about it negatively or positively about it online. I, As I said, I was the only person on my letterbox who's even seen it. So I don't know if, they, if it really has the hate that I think it should. I would imagine that it's pretty well hated. Um, but I've never seen anyone else that's seen it. So if you have seen somehow, some way, in some universe, if you, if your eyes have ever laid upon the film S. Darko, please let me know. And I'm kind of excited to move into some of these next ones because these next ones are not franchise films. They're not based on an existing property. They're standalone films. It's just, this is the film, there it is, that's it. And the next one we're talking about, after S. Darko, is a film called Monster High, which I watched with Jared. He gave it a slightly higher rating than myself. He gave it one star, but that's not saying much after the half star. A Cosmic Campus Comedy. Two high school goofs steal an explosive device for another world that's been hidden on Earth, and an alien named Mr. Armageddon is sent to retrieve it from them. Um, the poster kind of makes the film look kind of good. It's got a alien monster hand slam-dunking the Earth into a basketball hoop. So it, it lets you know that you're not really supposed to be taking this seriously, but the problem with this one is it's a comedy. So you expect a comedy to be what? funny you expect a comedy to somewhat keep your attention i remember the two of us were just kind of sitting there and if it wasn't for us talking to each other during the film trying to have some sort of entertainment value we both would have probably fallen asleep instantly like it was so boring it was so badly acted directed produced all the way around everything about it was just so bad and like 
honestly, like, literally, you could put it on to go to bed. Like, you could literally put it on to just fall asleep. Like, it was, like, and it's hard because I don't remember too much about it. Because, obviously, as I've said with all of these, these are my least favorite things that I've watched. So, unless it's something that, like, really, like, like, I'm never going to forget Halloween ends. But, like, unless it's something that it was like, oh, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's mainly because it doesn't keep your attention. It's so boring. It sucks. It does something, like, offensively dumb and bad. And, like, Monster High was just so unfunny. So unentertaining. So bland. Not scary at all if it's a horror film. And a lot of these films, like, we watch on VHS or whatever. I always like to say it's a good party film, quote-unquote. It's a good film to get all your friends together, kind of laugh at how bad it is at times. Like, this one is just so bad, it's bad. Like, this one, don't even go anywhere near it. Maybe I'm being a little harsh. It has been many years since I've seen it. When when did we rate this on Letterboxd? I think you can check and see when you rated a particular film. It says, Dynamite Jared watched this film in 2017 on June 9th. So I would imagine that's when I saw it as well on June 9th of that year. And yeah, so that's, that's the lowest one that I saw. Um... That's one of the lowest ratings that I've given a film, is basically what I'm trying to say. It can't get much lower than that. The next one I watched with my mother-in-law, my wife, my sister-in-law. It's a film called Night World. Apparently, Miles watched this as well. He's the only other person on my letterbox who has watched this. Giving it a solid two and a half, as opposed to my half of a star. The, the afterlife is darker than you think. When former LAPD officer Brett Anderson, there it is, we got the full name of this guy, takes a job as the head of security at an old apartment building in Sofia, Bulgaria, as if that is relevant to the description. Like, they're always trying to add these buzzwords, names, like, all this, like, extra detail that you don't need for your synopsis if your film is really fucking bad. It shouldn't matter for the sake of this synopsis where it takes place. It shouldn't matter what the character's name is. It says, when a former police officer takes a job at the head of a security building. Like, you don't need all these extra details. Like, they're just trying to fluff out the description for some reason. But anyway, he soon begins to experience a series of bizarre and terrifying events. Soon after delving into the building's sinister history and investigate its shadowy owners and past employees, Brett uncovers a malevolent force nestled deep in the bowels of the building that will do anything to be set free into our world. Um, the film featured, basically to me, an unrecognizable version of our boy Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. I remember watching this, and I didn't even realize it was him. He plays like a really old man in this, like older than he actually is. And he's, like, walking around with a cane. And basically, all this movie, I, I remember they're, like, walking. It's through the night world. But they're basically just walking through, like, this dream, like, nightmare scenario. There's the fog everywhere. I remember nothing made any sense at all. The film was absolutely bonkers. Like, the story made no sense. The characters' motivations barely made any sense. I was literally just sitting there just, like, awestruck. Like, I had nothing to say. And, like, normally when I watch movies with my wife's family, they're, like, hooting and hollering. They're like, oh, my God, this, this, and that. 
like, I remember everyone was just sitting there, like, silently during this movie. Like, it was just something, and it just sucked the entire energy out of the whole room and put it into the night world. All the good time we were having just gone. Um, like, we literally just sat there and waited for it to be over. I don't know how we watched the whole thing. Like, I really don't. Like, I remember just, like, sitting there in agony while this film was taking place. Like, I don't know, man. Night World. There's not much else to say. So coming up next after Night World is a film that has absolutely been no stranger to the show. This actually predates the House of Horror, some content that I was putting out on YouTube, the illustrious series Lost on VHS, with a film directed by our good old friend Len Anthony, Fright House. One of the worst films that I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, I guess, I don't know why I gave it half of a star, because I look back on the film with fond memories. I would like to watch the film again, just to see if it is as bad as I remember it being. Of course, this was in season one of Lost on VHS. I believe it was season one. It might have been season two. Um, but very early on in Lost on VHS, very early on in me making YouTube videos on a consistent basis, I talked about the film Fright House. Of course, with my good old friend Dynamite Jared, home is where the heart stops, which is in the letterbox description as well as on the VHS tape itself. Everyone in town knows the old Vincent place is haunted, but when the local frat inherits it, we find out if the rumors are true. Two stories about witches getting ready to meet with the devil, and that's the that's the description for Abaddon. So I'm going to stop that, because we're going to get to Abaddon in a second, because I know that that is also rated a half star. But we'll talk just about the Fright House segments of it. Um, Jared also gave it a half star, so I guess it really was that bad. Um, I had a good time laughing at it. I had a good time making fun of it in Lost on VHS. It was an absolute blast to make that episode with Jared, of course. And the film, it just, it makes no sense. It makes little to no sense. The audio is almost undescribable. Like, at some points, it completely cuts out. There's really, like, offensive jokes in it about suicide. There are... You know, there's very weird, like, dream sequences. There actually is a lot of stuff in the film that I, like, like because of nostalgic factor, like, looking back on it. Um, so I would really like to watch it again, but for right now, it is only rated a half star. There's not as much to say about these films that are rated so low, simply because, I mean, I don't know. There's not much for me to really talk about with them. But go coming up after Fright House because it ties right in under the Fright House uh, umbrella. We're just going to talk about Abaddon, which is the other film that I rated half of a star. So they're both technically part of a double feature. Um, it goes under the alias Vampires on Letterboxd and on some versions of the film. It's also called Vampires, but it's called Abaddon in Fright House. So the students at a local private girl school are unaware that the school's doctor is secretly using a machine to extract the energy from the young girls. This film is famously the last film that Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living Dead was a part of. This was also directed by Len Anthony. He did another film after this as well, which I have not seen. I need to complete the Len Anthony trilogy and check out the other film that he did. But Abaddon is like complete nonsense. Like this, the story makes absolutely no sense. It's one of the most boring films that I've ever seen in my life. 
I don't know how Jared and I made it through this one. This one is objectively bad. Like, Fright House is, you can laugh at it. There's some goofy elements to Fright House. I mean, Uncle Fester, Al Lewis is, I mean, not Uncle Fester, what's his name? Grandpa Munster, Al Lewis is in it. There is, you know, a lot of goofy things going on. Like, there's these dudes with big bushy eyebrows. They just look ridiculous. There's a, the frat, of course. Um, there's the satanic cult, which, of course, can be a lot of fun throughout the film watching what the cult is doing but Abaddon seriously has no redeeming qualities whatsoever um it's seriously a film you could put on to go to bed it's a film you could put on to torture your enemies make them watch Abaddon um it's really really bad of course if you're interested in learning a little bit about both of these films I would highly suggest checking out the episode of Lost on VHS when Jared and I talked about the films and if you want more detail about that, I will leave... Well, you guys know where to find it. It's on my YouTube channel. You will know where you can find Lost on VHS if you are so inclined to check that out. The next and last film that I will be talking about is Crystal Force. I actually want to take a second and see if Jared rate, uh, did a review of Crystal Force over on Rewind or Die. Because I'm very curious on what he would have to say about said film. Let's see if Jared has... Let's see if I can even find Rewind or Die by Jared. Rewind or Die blog spot. Let's take a look and see. I guess he might not even have it anymore. Rewind or Die dot blogspot dot com. Rewind or Die dot blogspot dot com. Does that exist? Does Jared have it? Blog not found. Jared deleted Rewind or Die. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to... I don't know. I, mean, I guess we'll never know what Jared's opinion on Crystal Force was other than his two-star rating on Letterboxd. But I remember this was an anthology film, and I'll read the description for you here. The door to hell swings both ways. At John's funeral, a seemingly kind old man standing near John's window, Hope. John's widow, Hope. That makes a lot more sense. I guess I cannot read today. At John's funeral, a seemingly kind old man stands near John's widow, Hope. He is the master of the crystal, possessor of its light and terror. Hope accepts the crystal in good faith, praying it contains new age love powers, but she has gravely miscalculated. I think that has to be one of the stories, because from what I recall, Crystal Force is an anthology. I could be wrong about that. Maybe the storylines were just so disjointed, I thought it was an anthology. Let's see if there is more information on, like, Wikipedia or something. Crystal Force 1992 film... 1992, 1990? Is it a, what year is this from? Wikipedia. I know that this is great content for you guys out here. I'm not very happy with how this episode is turning up, as you guys may have come to expect, but regardless, we will see. Um, IMDb doesn't have much information. There is no Wikipedia page for this, but this film is terrible. Like, there's no... There's no redeeming qualities in this one either. There's really not much else to say. This episode 
has le- truly left me at a loss for words. I know normally like I can at least like bullshit some stuff and like make some things sound okay, but this episode truly, I'm at a loss for words describing some of these films for you guys. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact I haven't seen them in so long because I dislike them so much. Part of it is I've tried to block them from my memory, so I don't have to think about them ever again. Just to recap the list, we got Halloween Ends, Godzilla, The Human Centipede, Troll 2, S. Darko, Monster High, Night World, Fright House, Abaddon, and Crystal Force. And I don't find it ironic that basically half of these films I watched with Jared. Typical us watching some of the worst films of all time. I cannot believe I gave the remake of Death Note one full star. I cannot believe I gave some other films like Edge of the Axe, uh, Bedeviled, Diabolical one full star. Like some films I would have actually had a little bit more to say about. Films like Mandroid, one star. Midsummer, I gave it one and a half star. Um, I don't know, man. Like this, I gave The Dead Don't Die one and a half star. Um, there's tons of films that I dislike in the horror genre. Being a horror guy, I'm actually very picky with my horror films. Like, I'm very much okay with films. Like, if it's a three-star, I'd be like, okay, this film is just okay. Like, I'm very content with the fact that films are allowed to just be okay. But when films are bad, like, I have no problem, like, calling out when I dislike something in a film. So, yeah. Out of those, which of these films have you seen? If you've seen any of these films, I feel genuinely sorry for you. But if you have seen any of them, let me know down in the comment section below. If you're listening to this over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to the show, make sure you're subscribing to the show, turning on notifications so you know when new episodes of the show come out. Leave this video a thumbs up over on YouTube if you're watching it over on YouTube. And give me some more terrible films that I can check out. Because I would love to do an episode like this again, but have a little bit more to say about some of the things. So if you have a film that you know I'm just going to hate, send it my way and I will consider reviewing it on the show. Uh, But with that, this episode, I think it was a little bit shorter than the average episode of an episode of The House of Horror, like a full length, like hour episode. I think this one was a little bit on the shorter side. But again, guys, I'm just like at such a loss for words for some of these things. But regardless, I'm going to wrap up this episode right off into the sunset. The sun is actually down at this point in time, so I missed the sunset. I didn't get to ride off into the sunset. I was probably talking about fucking Night World when the sun went down for some reason, ironically. Um, But that's pretty much it for this episode of the show, you guys. I'm going to wrap this thing up. And with that, I will see you guys back here tomorrow for another episode of The House of Horror. So take care and stay spooky.